guys, welcome back to another episode of Immature Adults. I'm your host, Brianna. And I'm your host, Kiara. And we're here for another week's episode. So this week, we wanted to tackle something that we thought was really important, um, something that we know a lot of our listeners can relate to, and that is being Black in corporate America. And so Kiara and I kind of wanted to expand a little bit and not only just give you guys our viewpoints, but also include some panelists for today's episode. Um, so you guys will meet them in a second. Um, but we hope that you guys really take what's being said in the conversation, um, that you're able to learn from it and that you're able to also provide your own feedback and let us know some of the things if, if you went through some something similar that was mentioned or you you know agree or disagree let us know in the comment below because we'd love to hear from you so let's get into it let's get into it the first question is, this is for everybody we'll just take turns what would you say is the biggest lesson that corporate america has taught you don't don't think of the company as a person like, um, I think a lot of times I know me, me, myself have shown a lot of loyalty to a company, treating it more so as a person thinking that that's going to be reciprocated and that's never the case. You know, it, it's a company. I mean, as I, as I gotten older and just live life a little more, you know, you really can't think of these companies as that. Not that certain individuals in a company don't care about you as a person, but at the end of the day, those people are acting in the company's best interests and not yours. My lesson is always act in your own best interests instead of having loyalty to the company, whether that be exploring other opportunities outside of the company for, for other employment. Uh, whether that be starting something on the side for yourself. Now, I've definitely done that in the past, you know, several years. So, yeah, I just say that, man, because at some point when that company has to make tough decisions about, you know, hey, hey, we, we're, we're beholden to the shareholders. We have to show, you know, this, these, these gains for, for, um, for stock pricing and all that, all that type of stuff. I mean, no one's going to care about you. If, if, if somebody's looking at that line item and saying, we got 20 people here in this department, we need to cut it to 15. If you're part of that five, that gets cut. So be it. And it's not, it's nothing personal. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest lesson. Uh, I think mine is, um, if you don't have anyone advocating for you, your career is not going to go very far. And you can be the hardest worker in the room. You could be the smartest worker in the room. If you don't have an advocate um, that is uh, of some stature pulling for you, it's going to make it very, very difficult for you to progress in corporate America. For me, it's definitely, I'm a young guy, but I've been able to be a part of this work, you know, being with employees for over about 16 years. I think what Dre said, something I found out, uh, don't take it personal. Uh, I had to find out the hard way. I think we probably all did, but you don't take it personal. That company, companies are in it to make money. That's it. Make money. Have to keep operating. 
uh, there, you, you, most of us, and you know, it's it's a to a fault. Come in, that job is supposed to take care of me and pay all my bills. No, that company is to reinvest in their business and return to the shareholders and supply customers. That's simple as that. And it took a while for me because uh, I, I started off so young. But after I deployed that mindset, everything else, you know, anything you do different is more of a surprise to me. You know, if you do something good, like, oh, okay, they did that. That's more of a surprise to me. Anything else is is, is already expected. Uh, there's no loyalty. And I found myself, uh, you know, in the world of Ho, Sean Carter, you got to learn how to move, room, move in a room full of vultures. And what I mean by that for me, I used to find myself trying to, Make sure you like me. Make sure I kind of act like you. Uh, make sure I get good grace with you and not being authentic Josh. Now, after, you know, I found out, no. So I'm going to be me. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, there to be crazy and loud. Still be professional me. But it's no longer where I'm trying to kiss up to you, so to speak, so you can like me and push me up. No, I'm not depending on you. No. But... Uh, that was for me. Learn how to room in the full of votes because everybody ain't for you. Like Adriana said, you know, hopefully you can get that advocate. But uh, don't depend on them. Now, everyone knows around the office, I don't really care uh, much about people's opinions of me as much as I care about people's opinion of my work. I want my work to speak for me. And my work has actually been my saving grace because I'm very outspoken and that's not welcomed. <laughs> and if it wasn't for my work, <laughs> it's likely I wouldn't be there. Right. Always take pride in your work. That's true, but not in all cases of being outspoken. Certain people are very outspoken. Yes, but I'm they a may not look like you or I. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next question is, do you think you have to alter the way you communicate um, to avoid labels or for, to avoid being received negatively? Honestly, I'm at a point now. I know you guys are younger, so you look at things differently. I am a point now where I don't really care about the labels. Mm -hmm. If I want to give something a label, give my work a label. Um, and just because I do like do a good job doesn't mean that's going to propel me anywhere because like you said if you don't have the people in the room when you're not around speaking for you advocating for you it may not mean that much you know but depending on what you want to do with your career yeah you you got to change the way you communicate I was just I was fortunate enough to have a job where I was going out to customers a lot and so I kind of developed a um, a way of communicating that that was very neutral, I guess. Even when even when you're even when you're wanting to give negative type of of feedback or response, it it comes across as neutral. And so you got to do that all the time. Anytime you talk to anybody you know, at work in these, in these corporate settings, especially the one that we're in, you're, I mean, a high ranking person in the company told me this straight up 
anytime that you are talking to someone, presenting to someone in a meeting, you are on stage. Okay. You are on stage and who's on stage? Actors, mm -hmm. actors, performers. So in a sense, that's what you're doing. So you have to, you have to make a conscious decision at some point, you know, do you want to do that? Do you want to play that game or don't you? But sometimes it's about choosing your sanity over the game. It can stress you completely out. And at the end of the day, you have to decide what is more, most important to you in your life. But it, I tell you guys all the time, life is about choices. And that is a serious choice that you'll have to make. I agree with um, Andre and Adriana about that, especially the um, part Andre was saying about the actor. Two totally different um, personas that you're getting. Because, you know, when you're at work, you're trying to be professional, trying to um, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, say everything exactly right so you're not offending the person, but that you're saying what you mean. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely... A, a very thin line that you're trying to, to try to, you know, stay, you know, trying not to cross it at this time or not to get too far on this side on other times. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. And I will say for me personally, the thing that I've learned, and I will say I learned it a lot uh, going to a PWI was to use my humor. So I may not bite my tongue as much as other people, but I always try to say it in a way that at least is amusing mm -hmm. and I found that when I'm talking to other people we all have our own way of doing it I remember when I first started um I had another coworker who started at the same time as me in corporate America um at least in this job she worked in another capacity and she had an issue with somebody and she was explaining the issue to me and I said well I think it's probably the way you're saying it on how you see I don't think anything you're saying is wrong and honestly if you were talking to me I wouldn't have taken offense to it but you're not talking to me. And by the time y'all finished talking, she was crying. Everybody was consoling her. Um, and in the moment, you weren't the wrong party, but it doesn't matter because when you're looking at it and when it when you get back and the feedback that's going to be given is that you were the person that hurt this other person. And so that's what you say, the same things that I say. And I say, but do you ever see people crying? I said, every time I say it, they laugh. And whether or not I get my point across, I don't know. But I try to at least soften the blow in some way. And I feel like I am always trying to soften the blow. Um, there are people around me who have said very direct and very hurtful things to me. And then if I say something bad, which is no way near as hurtful as them, they are, I can't believe you said that, that really, but, and you're like, wait a second, you, you shot at me. So then I shot back and now you're crying. And so you, you in some way have to figure out how to communicate the things you want to say in a way that will allow you to still have a job, will allow you to still be able to move. Mm -hmm. And I do think you can make the decision, but just understand that if you don't do that, more often than not, you will be sitting in places you shouldn't be sitting for a long time. Um, and so I think everybody has to find a way to navigate that. And you're right, they have to make the decision on whether they want to do it at all. One thing I guess I've picked up or taken away over my time in corporate is that, you know, sometimes people say things to you and it's like, 
okay, I can't let that one pass. I got to say something. Um, and, and you have to do that sometimes. I totally agree with it. But what I've learned is in some instances, no response is the best response. Sometimes people come um, with certain things and they're looking for a reaction. And sometimes in the instance when you don't give it to them, it completely throws them to the left. And then now they've got to try to figure out how to come back. And you hadn't said anything, so you still in the good. Thanks. Now y'all know I'm I was I'm from New York, so I'm a fast talker by nature sometimes. And uh I wouldn't have said this maybe seven, eight years ago. I don't pronounce yet well. Not all the words. I get hung up still to this day. It's that fast talking side of me. I have to slow myself down. And so I have true story battles that throughout with my years. You know, there's been at least twice I'm aware of that uh role manager wise, managerial job come open and there's no undeniable of how Josh worked his ethic, the results he have brought to us. The value created this, savings, his manufacturing knowledge. But it just don't have that spin image of communication that what we need from this person. Uh, and then another instance where, uh, if not, I don't have a deeper background of what this job was seeking of manufacturing and sales, uh, somebody else get a counterpart who probably can relay a little more. And he probably could. But came back, you know, just not that great, you know, pronunciation with the words and all that. And, you know, I got in my feelings, you know, I'm, uh, got in my feelings. So I, I took that. I didn't understand it. I'm like, no, I don't pronunciate. And so really, I started reading the dictionary, trying to slow myself down, reading words. But when I found out what was my purpose of speaking, mentoring, and, you know, and I always done that. And people give my feedback, like, you can make content into a life-changing story. And so now I'm able to embrace what I just told you. Well, seven years, I wouldn't be able to say that. Oh, I don't pronounce it right. What that next will do better than me is outwork me. It's be better than me. Put value. And that's what I try to separate myself. I just want to add some couple of true stories that I have dealt with of making sure how you communicate, pronunciate words in this world of corporate America. It's like two, it's like, it's like two different worlds, right? Like in one world, someone would get similar feedback as Josh. Hey, you know, maybe Josh needs to work on pronouncing certain words or, or, you know, the way he communicates in one world, which is the world Josh lives in. That means Josh won't get this job. He won't get this promotion in another world that maybe Josh that doesn't look like Josh lives in that means hey Josh you know maybe you need to work on your communication skills but you know what you've brought all this value you've worked on all these projects you know your your results speaks for themselves we don't care about you we're gonna we're gonna help you with the communication part we're gonna give you this promotion and we're gonna make sure that you enhance those communications we're gonna make sure you fill that gap Okay, those are the two worlds that we live in, in corporate America. So us, at, in a lot of cases, us as African-American employees, we're going to get the negative feedback and it's going to justify why you don't get the promotion or the raise or whatever it is you're seeking. And in that other world, it's going to mean, okay, there's a gap, but we see so much potential. We're going to make sure maybe you don't get this job. But we're going to put you in another job so you can 
fill that gap. So when this comes back open, you'll be ready. Like that's how, that's how it works. I'm not going to tell y'all how many jobs I applied and interviewed for and got feedback. Hey, you interviewed great. You had one of the best interviews, you know? Okay. All right. Why am I not getting a job? Well, it's just this certain thing you don't have that so-and-so had. Okay. I'm going to go work on that. You go work on it. Next job comes up. Now you can speak to that. You've done that now. Don't get the job again. Now what is it? Well, I mean, you just seem maybe your demeanor. You're kind of just laid back and, you know, it's just, it, it starts to get ridiculous. Like some of the justifications that are used. And so I don't want people that people that are going to hear this and listen to this. Don't think that um, working in corporate corporate America is just terrible. We're just talking about some of the issues that if you are an African-American working in a corporate setting of an old traditionally operated by old white male, um, these are the, these are the issues you're going to run into. I mean, I'm just, we just telling y'all, so you won't be surprised when it happens. Now for me, what has helped me because I'm like, Josh, I got my feelings too. I was, I started feeling like, I mean, damn, am I not good enough? And I'm not smart enough. Have I not done enough? My experience, you know, I started thinking about all this stuff, but for me, what has helped me is that I, I no longer look at the corporate job as validation for who I am. And so if when, if when you do, if you do that, you set yourself up for failure. It's not impossible to move up at corporate, but it is much harder if you are a black person. Uh, there are hurdles that you have to jump that your counterparts may not have to. Uh, they're going to tell you, you've got to do X, Y, Z before you go here. They're going to tell you they're always prepared to give us some feedback that uh, is supposed to comfort us if we don't get something. Um, but at some point, like Andre said, you've got to determine what it is that you value. And um, most times, even if you do, uh, start to progress in a in your career that is not going to be the thing that fulfills you the most especially in an environment where you're working in supply chain like uh, I think it would be different if there was something that you were doing for people or something like that that may be fulfilling getting something from one place to another uh, that's not what's going to fulfill you so at the end of the day determine what fulfills you, what makes you happy, because that is the most important thing. So getting to that next level where you are is not. And as we can see, millennials are not worried about getting to the, if I can't get to the next level here, I'll go somewhere where I can get to the next level. They'll hop off the train in a minute. Yeah, and I think straight off. So true, and I think that's the thing, especially when, where we are, like, I don't think companies like that are used to 
people doing that. They're not, they're used to people getting there and staying there a long time. Their kids, you know what I'm saying? You, you got whole families going through these companies and they're not used to us coming and saying, well, if y'all don't give me what I need, I'm out. Like, I know mm -hmm. I can go get a job somewhere else. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to stay here. And a lot of us don't act like we have to stay there. And so I, they're not used to that. Yeah, they're not used to us, and I'm like, the generation behind us is gonna be even worse. So <laughs> y'all need to get ready. Some companies already. I mean, it's certain companies that gotta catch up. I'm not gonna lie to you. When I saw Brianna, you know, I saw Brianna and others come. I'm not gonna name people, but others come on to my team in particular. Mm -hmm. I was ecstatic. <laughs> okay, because I knew. Like I knew how bright and smart they were, but I knew like what you know Brian and Kira, Kira just said, their mentality. Like a lot of stuff, like they ain't going, like they ain't going for that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that. And so I even told management that. I even said, hey, look, y'all don't have to. This isn't, you know, it's gonna be different. Mm -hmm. Like you're gonna get a lot of feedback that you ain't been getting. Mm -hmm. You know, people gonna be a lot more honest with you about their expectations of you. And, you know, if they feel things aren't, you know, if they feel, you know, certain people are being mistreated or, Hey, this person is getting preferential treatment or they're going to stand up and say those things where in the past, maybe somebody would just, you know, Hey, well, that's just how, you know, that's the way it is and just go about their day. Yeah. It's a different day now. So I know that I even told my wife that I was like, man, we're getting all these young, we're getting all these young black folks on the team. I'm happy. Like I, ain't, I can't wait. You know, if you get an opportunity, if, if you get somewhere where you are valued and you know, you, you like to work and you're valued and you communicate, you can be yourself. That's a perfect situation. Hey, stay there. If you can find a corporate job like that, you, you don't hit the lottery. Uh, but if 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 not, don't feel like Brianna said. You can go get a job somewhere else. I mean, you're young enough. You don't got the obligations of wife, husband, kids, all that. I mean, you can leave, go back in ten years, two two three years, come back and get that job you was trying. You know, two three promotions higher than what you was trying to get. Hey, the only thing I'm gonna add to that, because um, I totally agree, is like Adrian and mentioned I think kind of earlier in the conversation it's all about choices and that made me think when uh, she was talking there was an HR manager this has been probably seven eight years ago that told me the best way for us and this was African-American um, HR manager the best way to look at working in these corporate settings is that it's a partnership okay it, it's twofold the company pays us, we come to work, do the job, produce, do what we're supposed to do. At any point in time, like we said earlier, if the company deems it necessary or decides and say, hey, I got to cut this out the line item. I can't afford to have you anymore. Yeah, you were doing great, but unfortunately, I'm going to give you this severance. It is what it is. But what I think we forget is it's the same thing on our side. When we get to a point to where we say, you know what, I'm coming in here, I'm working, I'm giving you blood, sweat, and tears, and I'm not getting that appreciation, then I can make the choice to, to tell you, unfortunately, company, I'm sorry, this ain't going to work anymore. 
here's my notice or I'm looking on to the next thing. Um, because I think one thing just as African-Americans that we probably lose sight of when we get in corporate is knowing our worth, knowing our value. Um, I mean, I'm guilty of this a lot of times when, um, you know, we need to dust off that resume. Even if I'm not necessarily trying to move, planning to move, dust it off and just put it out there and let's see what hits I get. Because you, we just never know when the person around the corner or the next city over is saying, hey, I'll pay you. You got, you work for this company and I know y'all use this program, this software. You can come in and I'm going to pay you $30,000 more than what you're getting paid. Now, there's so many unwritten rules to being Black in corporate that you, 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 you come in, you don't get a handbook, um, you will hope that you get some people along the way that kind of pull you to the side and say, hey, these are the types of things you should do. I know when I came in, I didn't have that. The floor that I worked on, um, it was a nice amount of um, African-American people on the floor, um, but of Black males, with, I could count on one hand. So it would have been great to have had some pull me to the side and say, look, young, this is how it goes. This is the way this company works. If you want to move up, if you want to matriculate, these are some things that you got to do. I picked up a lot of that along the way. Um, and, you know, with other young um, employees that come in, of, of, you know, that are African-American, whether they're looking for a mentor or not, I pull them to the side and say, hey, <laughs> look, this is something you ought to be thinking about, trying to do something you know whether you want to hear it or not you won't get the opportunity to say nobody told you so i always try to impart some type of knowledge along the way what impresses me so much about uh Rihanna and Kara's age group is that group of black uh uh professionals um stick together like i had never seen anything like it since i've been in corporate america i had never seen anything like that and I was just like floored by it. I'm like, they want the best for each other. They look out for each other. And I feel like if the older people and the people who are moving on up had a close knit, were as close knit with everyone um, that way, things would be better for all of us. So one thing I would encourage you guys to do is to continue what you're doing. Continue to stay close. Continue to look out for each other because that is going to, 10, 15 years down the road, that is going to have made all the difference. Mentor, mentorship is important. I, I'm going to say this real quick and then I'm going to shut up, but um, I was about to quit probably in year one. But I remember calling my mom and saying, like, I'm about to quit. This ain't, this ain't working. Um, Cause I think about it, like I didn't, I did everything I was supposed to do. I went to college, got good grades, got a damn, you know, good degree. And I'm working in this. I'm, I'm just feeling so underutilized. Like I'm not being developed. Like I'm just here. I'm just coming here every day. And the only thing that stopped me from quitting is I met one person and it changed everything. So Tashaun, when you meet those people, and you put them to the side, you never know. They might have been, you know, that might have been the day they was finna put their two weeks notice in. And you saved them from doing it. So 
I know for me, I was, I was about to do it. And one person stopped me from doing it. So, and, and this same person, I still talk to today. And the, the one thing he always, they always tell me is I need to be doing it for somebody else. I can a thousand percent say that Adriana and Tashaun have both kept me from quitting. <laughs> and when I say, I think because sometimes I do say things and it's, it's funny. I legitimately had conversations with my mom about coming home, but like I can come and stay. I can get me a job. I had a job offer before I accepted a job uh, at the current company. And I know that I could have went home, gotten that job and worked there until I figured out what I wanted to do next. And I remember being, I always remember this day because I was like, I'm about to get my stuff right now. I'm going to tell them I'm going to quit, but I'm already have my stuff out of this. And in the two weeks, I'm just going to come in with the with the computer and do what I do. But I ain't going to have nothing at the desk. I'm going to be gone. I ain't going to need no little white box. I'm out of here. And uh, having them sitting at my desk being like, no, you got this. And at the very least, stay to your best here. At the very least, do this, this, and this. I will say it did talk me off the, off the edge because at that point, I was like, I can afford to finish out the rest of my lease and go home like I don't need to stay here um and I don't think that would have been the best choice for me and even now Tasha ain't never said he's my mentor but I come talking to him about everything and anything <laughs> I ask him everything under the sun because it to me when I look around at the people around me in this company I want to lean on people who look like me I want to be able to say if I come to you and I tell you this um you're not going to talk down to me. You're not going to go and tell my manager, but that I can have open and honest conversation with me. You won't give me any politically correct BS. And I can say, I am so glad that I have not really met or interacted with anybody um, Black who has not been uh, supportive and who have helped me. And I know that that is not always the case for everybody. And I'm glad that I, I can only put it as God because the people I've been around way too many Black people in this space and none of them have ever done anything or said anything that makes me none of them close to have done or said anything that makes me be like maybe I can't even trust us so I think that it is important to continue to to talk to people and to try to mentor people because it does help and just to add on to that I would say what's been the most disheartening for me is for people to make uh decisions or judgments about you and they don't know really know you they haven't worked with you, but they proceed to carry on what they've been told of you. And that is hurtful when it is your own people. When I say your own people, I'm talking about Black people. I haven't seen that with your age group. With the new people that came in around your age, you guys seem to always be looking out for each other, always seem to be close-knit. And I say just keep it up. How do y'all deal with those of us who do move up to upper management roles, who do um, have more influence, who have a little more, I guess, stature or so in the company? Um, how do you deal when we get in those situations, but those, then those people don't then leave the door open behind it? I don't do a good job with that. Because I tend to, when, when people do that, I tend to distance myself. And that's probably not the best. In fact, I know that's not, uh, not the best way to have, uh, to uh, deal with those type of things. 
but I do find myself distancing myself from those people because I'm like, how could you? Like, and why do you think that's okay? But to their defense, I think it is because we're in an industry where there is not a lot of people that look like us on a whole. And I feel like they're, they feel that there are only so many positions available for people that look like us. So I think they go into preservation mode. They're trying to preserve their current environment and make sure that they're always included in that environment. And sometimes they get a little intimidated thinking somebody may come along and knock them off. And so, I, I mean, it frustrates me and I do get a little upset about it, but then if you really think about it, I can kind of understand why they do what they do. But it, either way it goes, it's still sad. I guess for me, when I look at it, when I kind of look at you know where we are and the people in leadership, it's almost like sometimes you have people of color in the position but they're just in the position for namesake. You know, if they're really just the figurehead, they're in the role, but they really don't have any power. Um, it comes across to us that they got power because maybe they're sitting in the office or we see the position, we see the title, um, all of that, but it's just so much going on in the background. Um, you just have, it just makes you really wonder and second guess a lot of times, well, I wonder, did they say something? And if they did, what did they say? And then, you know, to Adriana's point, sometimes it's kind of like they may have this mentality of, well, I got here, and maybe they feel like they didn't have anybody pulling up, pulling them up by the bootstraps, if you will. Um, so they feel like, well, I got here on my own, so you got to get here on your own. And so then you you lose all of that continuity that comes with, you know, we're already kind of the second, third class citizens in the company. And you're, you know, you get a lot of the, the talk and the lingo of, you know, we're gonna be more diverse, we're gonna be more inclusive, but then you don't get a lot of the walking that and action that comes behind that. So as much as I wanna just put all of it in one bucket and say, you know, just give it one solid answer. It's just hard because there's so many, I know with us, you know, it's so many layers. It's so political. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that, yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a hard one because you never know like the past experiences of that particular individual as to why they don't do certain things or hire, hire certain people or help certain people. I guess what we can do though is when we, so my philosophy is this, and I've had a manager that I didn't see eye to eye with, you know, as far as how they managed. Um, but this particular person was black. And so whether or not I saw eye to eye or not, I told them, I'm going to do whatever I can to make you successful. I'm, it's never going to come back that Andre didn't do something that he was supposed to do. And like I said, you might not always necessarily like how that manager manages, but it's, it's more of a collective approach as to if they're successful, they can move up. And then the powers that be are, would be more comfortable hiring another person that looks like that person. And then they can move up. It may be you or maybe me. So that's kind of how I look at it. So 
first of all, everybody who, who would listen to this, trust me, everybody on this panel is not, because I, I don't want the message to get messed up that we're bashing uh, other people, race, black people. No. Uh, everybody here is, we are fortunate, you know, work through jobs, make a living, and provide for our families, our needs. Grateful. Uh, it's a lot of money, a little money on this on this panel, I'm not assuming, but uh, very fortunate. So I don't want the message to get twisted uh, because sometimes uh, people get in their feelings. They go to black people again uh, saying things like this. They're ungrateful, very grateful. Uh, however, we are sharing experiences, uh, not obviously with just one race, uh, multiple races of, of different people. So I wanted to make sure I want to get that out. And also, I'm going to throw some data out here. I read uh, Forbes that when we're not just talking about people at our level, we're talking all the way up the ladder of corporate level, executive level. As you know, there's only like 3.2% of black people of diverse color besides white uh, who's in executive leadership. Executive leadership, that's at the top level. So this ain't just like, ah, oh, there they go again. Talking, you know, the little, you know, down and down level, mid managers, mid level workers, at workers. No, we talking. It's going all the way up. So there is an issue uh, that needs to help and need to be shed light on. Uh, the Wells Fargo CEO said, like last year, reason why we don't have any diverse or African American because of lack of talent pool in the black community. You gonna sit there and tell me a nationwide talent pool if you're looking at it, not just at a certain area that there is no candidates. So the statistics stick for itself. And here's one thing I think when people, uh, leadership, whether they black or whatever, uh, brown, green, Hispanic, whatever, get at a level where their mindset is totally, they had to work hard to get there. And so they don't want to mess it up. This is what, from my observation, and they don't, they, they have the company interest, which they supposed to, on their mind. And so me and people, if I was in that seat, I'm, I'm like Fitzgerald Douglas. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm throwing that little sign out there. Hey, I'm talking to all my, so I'm a black man. So I'm going to be talking to all my black people on the side. Hey, something to come open. Bye, bye, bye. I want you to try to run. I'm open the door. I'm Fitzgerald Douglas. Here it tell me. Come on in. I'm trying to get all y'all looking out. But everyone is not like that, whether they white, a black, a Hispanic, Puerto Rican, whatever you are. It's not only because it, it's I'm totally focused now on the company interest. I what 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 I used to be looking out for people in general because that's what it's about serving other people. You forget that and it's totally locked in on the company interest, and so that's why that door that door gets shut. And like and you, it, it's more of a systematic piece, and not probably consciously trying it. Well, some of them are, but most of them I think is a systematic because they tied up with the company. Uh, and they interest and not keeping that door open, you know, looking out just for, you know, I'm a black man first. And so, you know, I don't just where I love everybody, people, uh, but I'm going to look out even in my position now, I'm going to buy black, I'm going to buy things, item, I'm going to work with people, uh, people I don't know, just do partnerships with. I'm going to look out to help because that is my breed. That is my descent. So one thing that I see and is, not, I guess ironic is the word, or maybe that's not the right word, um, but it's always funny to me. Like, I literally laugh, you know, when you see certain emails about people getting promoted, and I'm, I'm not even going to say that they're not qualified. I'm not going to say that they don't have the experience, 
But then when I think about who they're related to, because I see so much of that, it's, it's, it's like just slapping you in the face a lot of times of people throughout that are related to this manager or that's their aunt, that's their mom, that's their dad, so-and-so, so-and-so. Um, and they're moving. I mean, like you see them moving from position to position and I'm like, this person ha hasn't even been with the company as long as I've been here or I've had the same positions that they've had. But then again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. It's so political. You know, I hear and have heard of people talking about, well, you know, they're on the slate or they the next in line to, to get this. And I think it's so many people that's quote unquote on the slate or that's next in line that kind of to Bree's point, maybe is we know they could do it, but you're so far down the line of getting in that role because we got to take care of these 10 people first and then I'm going to take care of you and then by the time you know you wait so long you timed out or you you get to the point to where you say you know what I've waited all I'm going to wait I'm going to leave and then you know that good talent ends up leaving because we see a lot of times where people get promoted they get moved and then they quit where they get this type of certification or this type of extra something behind their name and then they quit and then the people that's been here that's in, you know, in essence, been the ride or die, the loyal people in the trenches for the company end up still sitting in the same spot, you know, or having to really fight and claw their way up to the next role. I, I just think it's so many different variables um, in there. It's just hard to, to peg it to one thing. But yeah, that whole kind of family association thing, I feel like I see it way more than I should see it. Um, I would also like to address the lazy thing as a lot of times what they're seeing is black people working really smart and they have not based these positions on our work rate because you can't give us more and then give everyone less because that looks a certain way so they don't want to catch flack for that. So they build these positions around certain people. And so when we find ways to be more efficient and we have time for other things, they think that it's, they want to chalk it up to being lazy, but you can't name a thing that we haven't done. That is one of the most frustrating things. I've experienced that for years. I even had a manager tell me one time every year, she was like, your skill set is far above any people in this position that we have. I said, but every year you give me meets expectations. So if my skill set is so far ahead of everyone else's, why am I getting, why am I only meeting the expectation? Are you uh, judging me based on the role? or judging me based on what you have come accustomed to from me. And she literally had to tell me that she was basing it on what she had come accustomed to from me. That is not okay. Yeah, corporate, corporate America is tricky. It's tricky because... And I would agree with Adriana. I would say I wish when I first started in corporate America that I understood the whole lazy 
where, what, what that actually meant. It didn't mean that you didn't work hard. It meant that you don't look busy enough. Um, and I got a lot of feedback and I would be like, well, what am I, what am I not doing? And there was nothing they could tell me that I wasn't doing. There's nothing you're not, you're doing everything, but you just look too free. And I had to just say, I can't do this. I'm going to have to just be lazy. You're just gonna have to call me lazy because I, I can't sit here and pretend I tried to sit at my desk and just listen to music. And to me, I did not realize, and I wish I would have early on realized that that was a thing that lazy did to me and you didn't get your work done or that you were like, you had a whole bunch of work piling up and you, it meant you look too free. And I'm looking at my other employees and they're overwhelmed and you're not. Look, um, I mean, and I didn't know that. I'll tell you this. So when you get that fee, if, Hey, you, what you should have said was, you know what? I just figured out a couple of efficiencies. I'd be more than happy to share my best practices with the team. If you have any other um, opportunities for me to develop in these areas, I'd be happy to do it. Like throw it back on them. Like I ain't lazy. I just figured this, I was finna curse. I just figured this stuff out and nobody, you know, other people may not have figured it out. And so, yeah, I may be a little more free. Give, give me a few more things to do. Not just, you know, not just trivial tasks. Give me some things that are going to develop me, put me on this project where I get to present to the leadership of the, of the, of the team. I would say I asked for those things and I still didn't receive it, but I kept getting the feedback. Because that's another problem in, in the corporate world. They want to save those because eyes are on projects, right? So they want to save those projects for the people that they want to highlight. So that becomes an issue. Yeah, I was just going to tag on to that. That's very true. I think one thing that I hear um, a lot, because I even had a manager tell me this um, here in the last few months, is that, um, and I know we, I know Andre and I have talked about this before. Um, but we, we, we need to get we need to get them more visibility. And I literally. <laughs> you know, because we're working from home in this pandemic. Um, and it, it, I'm, I'm thankful. Let me throw this little caveat in here. I'm thankful that, you know, I'm not necessarily on my camera all the time when we're having these meetings because I know my face, you would have read it all over my face when they said that. I'm like, I need visibility. And I'm thinking back over the last, because I've been in the same department for the last few years. I'm thinking about the different projects, the different teams that I worked on. I'm like, the, the VPs know me. They know who I am. They may not know me, know me, every intricate detail of what I do, but they know me by name. I said, there are several people I can think of in a department on the floor that they don't know. So what what visibility is it that I'm needing to get? But I always, I always see that if they're not saying visibility and kind of like Andre said, and giving you a very specific something to hit, a metric to hit, then you really just give them your stall tactic of saying, yeah, we need to get visibility, but we don't know what that looks like. Okay, so we probably really shouldn't be having the conversation until we know what that looks like. Because other than that, to Kiera's point, I'm doing the job. I'm hitting all the marks. Every every box is getting checked. So, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of puzzled and perplexed when I get that, we got to get them more visibility because 
most people don't really know what that means. Early, we were talking about how, like, you guys are young. Like, you're not tied to this place. Like, when I came into this uh, company, I was a single mom just trying to raise my child the best that I could. Uh, then, you know, as soon as I got here, um, 11 months later, I got a mortgage. And so, and then my goal was to get my child through school. We're fortunate enough to where we make decent salaries to where you can make that happen and you can provide a decent life for your child or family. Um, so you get caught up in it. Um, but I have to say that if I was younger and didn't have the responsibilities that I had, <laughs> I don't know that I would have been around for as long as I've been around. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely would have done some things differently. I wasn't as smart as y'all, and I, I, I was able to have a job. You know, I started. You know, I was making more than. I remember I called my dad and. Um, told him how much I was going to get paid. And he was like, did you take the job? I said, <laughs> I said well, I wanted to call you first. I, want, I said, I wanted to talk to you first before I accepted it. And he was like, you making more than I make. Like I started making more than my dad. And so you go into that psychologically, you're like, okay, I got to do this. I can't make no mistakes. Like you, like you, when you come in as uh, uh, most people as an African American employee, like your margin for error is zero. Like you feel like, hey, I can't be myself. I can't make no mistakes. I gotta play the game. I gotta know the right people. I gotta get on the right project. I gotta do. And so it's so it can become so stressful. And it is a game. It, at the end of the day, it is a game. Mm -hmm. um, you just have to decide whether or not you want to play it or not. And in my case, I waited so long. It took me so long to realize, you know, maybe I don't want to play this game my whole life. You know, maybe, maybe it's not something I want to do until I'm 65, 70 years old and I'm too old to enjoy anything. You know, I'm too old to, to, to run around with my, Hopefully I have some grandkids by the end. I can't run around with them. I can't, you know what I mean? So had I realized that maybe in year two or three and started preparing then for, cause I'll be honest with you, I'm preparing to retire early. Like I ain't working until I'm 65. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And so had I started that process 10 years before I did, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. I might be retired already. <laughs> I'll say, um, so coming out of school, I always knew that I was going to go to corporate. I was going to do a corporate job. I'm going to work. That's what everybody else in my family did. I said, that's what I'm going to do. You know, whatever. And I'll say coming into the job, like looking at what I was making compared to what my friends were making, looking at what my mom makes even now. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I can do it. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> when I first started, I was like, mm. Corporate ain't what I thought it was going to be. And I don't even know what I thought it was going to be, but I was like, I don't really want to do this. And I think last year, just going through everything, not only at work, but in life, just made me realize I, I cannot, 
I have to do something for myself. I gotta do, I gotta take a different path. I gotta figure something out. I can't, you can't really get caught up in the salary and the benefits because at some point. But the key is knowing that, okay, the salary is a good salary, but I'm worth it. And that's the problem I have with myself. Like I put limits on myself because I don't have a degree. And I was just lucky enough to get into the company where you could still sneak in without one. And I had experience from the same industry using the uh, operating model that they were going to, that I had. But when I think back on it, I was my biggest problem because I felt like maybe I wasn't as worth as somebody uh, worth as much as the next person because their credentials were different. And now what I realize is, no, you would have been awesome anywhere, but you limited yourself because you thought you had to. And so, yes, we can talk about, yes, we appreciate our salaries and things like that. But let's also remember, we're worth it. And there is nothing wrong with that. And we, it's okay for us to know that we're worth it. Yeah, a lot of times we have imposter syndrome. I know I've had, I dealt it my whole life, but um, not really, not taking that stand, not having that mentality that you're worth it. You know, maybe I don't have the right experience or the degree or, you know, whatever it is, maybe I don't speak well enough, whatever that thing may be. And you think maybe I don't deserve to be here, but you deserve, you do deserve to be here. I mean, that, I mean, we see it. If you take those little glimpses that you see when you see your counterpart and you're like, yeah, I, if I don't deserve to be here, they don't deserve, <laughs> they definitely don't deserve to be here. So, so, so we deserve to be here. Yeah, I, I, if I could add to that, uh, and that's why I'm, I admire the conversation me and Kira had way back there. How you guys definitely, uh, if you want to call you millenniums, have a mindset like, hey, I'm not going to sit here and work 15, 20 years for you and do this. Uh, and when you care, you just speak about your father, like, oh, you coming out there with the bat and you talking about doing this? And I think about, yeah, I'm sure Dre, Adriana, Tashaun, you know, the and I had this, the blue-collar mindset. Uh, and those were people who I, literally after I graduated high school, I was in manufacturing. I spent 14 years in it. And that was it. Yeah, anyone my age at 19, 20, I'm banking 40000 already. Having a whole, I'm balling, hotel, parties, living it up. <laughs> I'm having a gracious time. So I had a conversation with a director one day, like, you know, this is what you want to do? And that's where I took it. However, doing that, as I got college, got a bachelor's, I was chasing something. And I always wanted to, that's why I was sometimes conforming myself, chasing, chasing, trying to get the ladder. And that's what led me to uh, the employee that I went to, uh, that I'm currently with, because I was chasing something, because I felt that would give me the opportunity. And what, 26? 16, 17, realized I was chasing a ghost. I was like Patrick Swayze. I'm I'm chasing a ghost. <laughs> I'm chasing a straight ghost. That is that ain't where, what Adriana said earlier. That is not my fulfillment. I had to figure it out. Sometimes you, it takes time to figure it out for me to understand what was my purpose. 
So therefore, now kind of what Dre was saying, I'm not that I was serious about this shit package. You want to buy me out? I would gladly come to the front line. But anyway, when it comes to like, I, I don't plan on trying to do this too long. Uh, I set a goal. I was challenged by my mentor, Sensei Et. By 2025, I'm trying to come out. Because here's what I, I try to live in now. My gift, not not the employee, not that man, not that lady, my gift, what I'm good at, will make room for me. I'm going to live in there and make money off that and generate myself. Generation wealth. And that's something that the black community, we have always lacked of. Creating generation wealth and leaving something behind. You know, so that's why they can do all that nepotism and bring it all, all that jumping and skipping the line. Uh, trust me, when I have my seed, he or she gonna skip the line too. Don't get me wrong, they gonna have to work established. But I'm offering you a platform where you ain't gotta get out the mud. And nothing wrong with the blue collar mindset. Nothing is wrong with that. I know we talked a little bit about 2020, but last summer with the whole Black Lives Matter protest and, and all that was happening with that last summer, and companies coming out, giving statements, you know, trying to, I guess, be politically correct with some things. Do y'all feel that, you know, that was them just trying to not look racist? Or do you feel like those companies really meant what they were saying and what they were doing and trying to, I guess, create a space to better their culture and their environment? <laughs> I, think, I think it was a bit of both. I think it's a I think it's a bit of both. I think it was some pandering, some, hey, we have to say something so we don't look a certain way. But then, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying it wasn't sincere, but was the ultimate goal to really change the trajectory of what was happening at the company? No, I don't believe that. Um, I haven't seen enough to say that that's the goal, you know, I just haven't seen it. So I haven't seen anything change. And, and it may be because we're in quarantine, but even being in quarantine, like when announcements come out and things like that, I don't see that anything is changing. It's still the same old, same old. Something has to happen to make them do it. Th those things happen. Those messages came out. That situation died down. And it's back to, it's back to, you know, Back to like it was. I mean, it's nothing. Nothing's a whole lot different than what it was. So, yeah, you may see a look. You know, Black History Month. You might see some some speakers here or there that you didn't see in the past. But <laughs> real, like tangible change. Like, are they standing up a platform? Like, over the next ten years, our our senior leadership is going to change by this much. Like, nobody's standing up and saying that. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see that stuff changing anytime soon. And if you can't get people over the initial humps at the bottom levels, like who's going to be there when you get to the top? Because as we know, they don't, when those levels, most of those people have like 20, 30 years under their belt. If they're not doing something about it now, that's not going to change in the next 15, 20 years. So I, I participated in some, some recruiting. And, you know, one of the biggest problems, they talk about this all the time, one of the biggest problems, minority retention. 
minority retention. Now think about the conversation we having about, hey, I'm not getting developed. I'm not getting the promotion. I'm getting passed over. You know, I'm not being I'm not being treated fairly or the same. But hey, we got this problem with retention. Why you think you got a problem? Like why why you think you got a problem? These bright people come and work for this company. Okay. This is the cream of the crop. Like these are some of the best. And you get them coming here and they're having to watch their counterparts get promoted two and three times before they're even, before you're even willing to have a conversation with them about their career progressing. Yeah, and I was I was just having that conversation with Kiara because I feel like most of that has to do with superficial things. They really don't matter. It has nothing to do with work. It's how you how it might be, you know, my demeanor you feel like is a little bit, you know, not like everybody else's, or I might have a slight accent in my voice, or I'm not as polished as somebody else. And it's like, but you have nothing to say about my work. I do well at my job. And then you know that I'm a good worker and you know all these other things, but because I'm not as polished as the next person, I get looked over and I get passed over. And why do you and why do you think I leave? Because I know that's what's happening. You can't say you have a problem with minority retention and you don't do anything to retain your minority. You can see that celebrating Black people and making them feel included and making them feel like a part of co uh, corporate culture is is more so for appearances than it is for actual application. And a lot of these companies are like, we're going to, we're really focusing on getting um, more Black leadership. So we have this kind of initiative. When you really look at it, you're like, how are you, like like Adriana said, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get them from the entry level all the way to the top in two years? Yeah. When they've been here for 15, but in those last, you only got two years now to meet your goal. How are you going to get them from where you kept them all this time? Mm -hmm. Because you wanted to promote your best friend's uh, daughter or your cousin or whoever. What advice would you give people entering corporate America, whether it be from college or from uh, a manufacturing role or wherever, um, what advice would you give to somebody who's entering corporate America for the first time, an African-American um, person who's entering corporate America for the first time? I would just say, um, always, always do your best work. Um, you know, think of, think of it as a job. Like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's just a job. It's serving a purpose for you. Um, you you, it, it is a two-way street. You are, you are providing a service. They are paying you, but you are providing a service with your time and your, and your knowledge and your, and your skill set. Um, just, and just remember that, know your value. Um, and, you know, if you don't, if you don't feel like you're valued, you know, do, do what you have to do for yourself to maintain you know, your, your, um, I guess to maintain your, your positive mental, you know, however you want to put it. Um, yeah. So don't be beholden to the company, do your best and, you know, just approach it as a job, you know, don't, don't take things personally. That's it. That's all I would say. I would say don't, Scoot your confidence and your talents under the rug just to make others feel okay. 
be yourself, shine as much as you can, uh, and don't dumb yourself down to make others feel better. It's, it's sad that I would have to say that, but I've seen that so much where people kind of just back off things because some people get intimidated. Um, but just be your authentic self um, and don't dumb yourself down. Don't shrug your talents. And um, if you're a confident person, let that shine through. There's nothing wrong with it. If, and it's okay to be wrong. If you're wrong about something, I, I tell y'all all the time, the best things that happen um, with cell phones, dictionary.com is my favorite friend. I could be sitting in a meeting, I would hear a word. Well, I never heard that word before. I'll look it up on the dictionary. I'll look it up on dictionary.com. Next time, I know. And before you know, before long, um, um, you'll be using those words. And the funny thing is, is I had a manager tell me that you um, sometimes you use big words when you really don't have to, and that makes you look like maybe you're not sure about what you're talking about. But if I'm using the big word and I'm using it properly, how do I come across not knowing what I don't, I'm talking about? Do you not know what I'm talking about? Mm. Hey, I, I guess... Um... And I totally agree with what Adriana and Andre said. I think the, um, I guess what I would add to it is, you know, come in and put your best foot forward, uh, but know that, you know, one, if the opportunity opened itself and presented itself and you got it, then know that you are enough. You've got everything that you need in order to fulfill the role. Um, and even the things that you don't have, you know, a lot of times we say, uh, we look at those as weaknesses, but they're really not. It's really opportunities for where you can grow. Because, you know, for as much as we have, nobody has everything. Like, there's nobody that works with us or at any company. I even look back at college uh, with our professors. Yeah, they're teaching us, but they didn't have everything. Yeah, they might be doctors, so-and-so, and, and don't get me wrong, great accolade, but we that's that's what we're here for we're all pieces to the puzzle to make something complete so whatever you're bringing to the table just like adriana said don't dumb it down because you don't want to be outspoken or you want you don't want to make the other person not feel smart you know there are ways to do that and still um get across what you're trying to do and then i guess on the other side of that is you know when you come in and you're you're doing all of those things, being loyal, putting your best foot forward, and it feels like it's not working, it's okay to remove yourself from it and go to something else because every every corporate job's not for everybody. You may go to another company, have a totally different experience. You may come into corporate and say, you know what, I can actually do this, <clears throat> but this isn't what I want to do every day um, for the rest of my life. You may I mean, a lot of times I look at myself, I joke um, with Andre about this because I like working out. I haven't been doing as much of that because of the pandemic. But, you know, sometimes I think, you know, if I ever came out of corporate, would I try to like really 
do what I need to do to get certified and maybe be a trainer because I like looking at alternatives for eating. I know like Adriana's really good about this, like having ideas on, you know, vegan things and vegetarian things. So that pushes me to say, you know what, corporate doesn't have to be my end all be all for everything. Everything's a stair step. This is just getting me what I need to get to the next level. That next level might be to continue to stay in corporate. It may not be, but just know that there's life outside of it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to waste a lot of time that Adriana said it. You know, that was, don't conform yourself. Don't dumb yourself down to someone. Uh, Dre said value. Um, don't take it personal is my last one. What I mean by that, we all human. So you're going to, some things going to hit anyway, daily, every day, monthly, monthly, month to month. And, you know, we're human. So nothing wrong with that. What I mean by that, that it wrecks your whole character, that it wrecks your whole lifestyle outside a job that you get, you know, paid for. That's what I mean. Don't take it personal. There's nothing wrong with, you know, getting upset, you know, disappointed things, but don't let it wreck your whole life, your family, because a job made cuts, you know, that's, there is no, they there to make money. And uh, that's what I mean. Don't take it personal. Not just, you know, everything affects you some sort. And uh, it's human nature, but don't let it wreck your whole lifestyle, your whole mindset, uh, where you really just totally bent out of shape, you depressed, uh, things like that. Because there's so many people that I've encountered that who have went into that, you know, and this it, it hurts my heart when I had seen them personally. Uh, but don't take it personally that would wreck your whole life. That's it. I would say for me, uh, my biggest thing that I would, the biggest advice that I would give people is to find your people. I remember uh, like being three months in and going into the room where Josh was at and closing the door and having a whole, just, I say every word in the book. And I never felt like, <laughs> I never felt like I couldn't come and say those things to him. I never felt like, you know, uh, this is going to come back and bite me. And that's not always the case. You have people out there that you can't trust. But spend the first couple of months finding your people, really talking to people and figuring out who you can talk to, who you can actually um, find support in. Because a lot of people, you can have a spouse, you can have friends, but nobody's going to understand your work environment the way that the people who work there do. And so honestly, finding... I all of y'all being in group chats, having people to really talk to and vent to and bounce ideas off of and talk about jobs with. And to, I can't always trust my manager to set up a shadow session, but I know if Tashawn knows somebody, he would let me know. And if Adriana knows somebody, she would let me know. And finding those people, not just for your career, but for your mental health is so important. So that would be my advice. Oh, that just gave me those. I had one in mind, but now I'm gonna say something else. <laughs> Take care of your mental health. I think that's probably one of the biggest things I learned um, because especially if you're coming into a corporate space for the first time, whether like you said from manufacturing or from school or whatever, it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment and sometimes it can be a lot and you really do need to have those things to keep you um, grounded and to keep you focused on your end goal. Because, I mean, there were days where I just felt like, I just, like, like you say, you just don't even, I just can't even get out of bed. Like, and I had to make sure that 
I had something. I did something that kept me going and kept me pushing. I'm not saying that's going to be everybody's experience because, you know, we all work in different places. But at the end of the day, keeping your mental health in the forefront is going to be what keeps you going and keeps you staying the course. And Brianna, just to tag onto that, your mental health is going to uh, be important throughout your corporate experience because coming in, you're going to deal with a certain set of things. But being in corporate America for a long time is one thing I do know is that things change. So things will change and you come in and sometimes you'll get to that point where it feels pretty good. And then before you know it, things have, cha have changed back to a situation where you're a little more anxious. And over the, uh, over the years, things can change and go in and out of that. So just constantly keep your mental health in check. And uh, I think what would be helpful with that is make a list of the things that are important to you. And um, hopefully it's more than a job and more than a career. Um, so we thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Immature Adults Podcast. Um, we want to thank our panelists for joining us today. We really, really, really appreciate you guys, all the information and experiences and feedback you gave. Um, we thought this was a really good um, and important and necessary topic, as a lot of our listeners are young professionals um, working in corporate spaces. So we hope you guys learned something. We hope you know, you took something away from this experience or this conversation. So thanks you guys for listening. Music. Music.